Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Welcome to episode 41, and it is a Halloween special. I was going to try and do a count from the Sesame Street there imitation, but I feared away from it. And I'll just say it's a Halloween special, and I'll talk a bit about why and about the episode in a few minutes. But as I like to do at the start, I look back and look forward uh, at a previous episode and one that's coming up. And last week I released an episode with Mihal Omahuna, and that one is doing really well. Good, good feedback. It's one actually I got a few emails on in the last week from listeners that uh, it, it seemed to resonate well with folks in that... The feedback was, yeah, wow, I'm glad I'm not the only one maybe that have had similar struggles like Michal, and for sure you're not, or whomever feels or got some connection with that, uh, you're certainly not the only one struggling. I know myself, like everybody, you can have disastrous weeks and tough days and get stressed, and I know in the last week myself I was sick and tired, and that can really trigger mood swings and you know when you listen to podcasts or uh, stories from people that have had tough times it certainly can put things into perspective and you can you can take a lot from it so it was good to hear those emails coming in and uh, I passed them on to Michal and he you know he certainly was happy to hear people taking the time to to drop a note back about that so if you haven't listened to it I'd encourage you to do so put it on your on your list uh, if you subscribe it'll be downloaded and you'll have a chance to listen to it at some point i'm sure and hopefully you'll enjoy it next week's episode i have a guest named sarah abbott uh, i had worked with her in the past and this one more focuses on leadership management styles development in maybe in your personal and in your professional life and Sarah is now the MD of a company called The People Practice, and she is from Cork. And yeah, we had a really good conversation. I'm starting the editing process of that, so that'll be next week's episode, and hopefully that'll go down well also. Other comments, one or two other pieces of feedback from what I said, I think, in the intro last week, where I encourage people to take the time to actually become one percent better based on something they've taken from one of the episodes so it's it's very easy to listen to shows and say oh, i must do that must do this one or two people did get in touch and say actually yeah i i do that uh, i don't proactively try and put a goal in place for what i want to improve upon and if you don't do that it's probably not going to happen so so yeah definitely take the time five minutes maybe to write down some things you want to improve on i know for 2018 my goals are coming together already i'm looking at them on my whiteboard here and uh, i normally start planning them now and then do a bit of deep dives around the, the christmas period so it's good good time to start i encourage anyone to to do that if they're they're looking to set some targets for next year and i'd love to hear your approaches and if there's anything uh, you do differently to others it'd be great to, to know what that is one other thing this week i interviewed a lady called Samantha Kelly on uh, Monday morning. We recorded it early and she is well known in the Twitter world. Her handle is the tweeting goddess and she's from Ireland, from um, Wexford and we had a really cool conversation. Learned a lot from her around Twitter and how to have a 
social marketing or social media strategy and we chatted about star wars and mark hamill at the start of it and later that night i had actually tweeted him a picture of a star wars poster that i have in the studio here and i got a like from him which was kind of cool he has over two million followers on twitter and uh, he picked up on that so thanks to samantha for for the podcast and for the advice to actually do that to reach out to those sort of folks and yeah looking forward to that one in a few weeks as well trying to figure out a slot for that so lots of good stuff coming and in this episode the good stuff continues it's with mike huberty he is from Madison in Wisconsin. He's in a band called Sunspot, but he also has a podcast called See You on the Other Side. And that's where the whole Halloween connection comes into play. We talked about paranormal incidents that uh, Mike has experienced or certainly learned from guests on of his own podcast over the last while. We touch on a little bit about ghosts and afterlives, nothing too out there more really on his journey and how it became of interest to him and how as you will hear he turned that interest into a podcast and ties it in with his music and it's very interesting how it all really has come together nicely for mike he's a pretty cool guy as you will hear uh he has some good funny stories he has one from when he was in uh, in cork and that's early on in the podcast and yeah i think it's uh, a different one a different angle but it fits and it's fun so i hope you enjoy it i hope you have a happy halloween if you're listening to this around that time and as always it would be really great if you took a few minutes out to rate and or review the podcast on itunes that always means a lot it uh, helps get the, the ranking up and get new folks listening to it i know mike has quite a big listenership and i hope i'll get some new listeners from uh, his world do get in touch let me know if you enjoyed the episode and uh, if you have any ideas or suggestions for other guests and all of that good stuff always good to hear back check out the show notes you'll see how to connect with mike details around the podcast around the band sunspot okay so i'll leave it there enjoy halloween and we'll catch you on the next one thanks bye-bye I'm here with Mike Huberty from Madison, Wisconsin, right? That is that is absolutely correct. Yeah, I I don't think I've been in Wisconsin. I've been all over the states, but never been to Wisconsin just yet. Uh, maybe maybe one day. But I've heard of Madison. How, how big of a city is that? It's about two hundred fifty thousand people. All right, so it's similar to Cork. I'm in Cork in Ireland. That's about around the same oh, sure. sort of number. I've uh, I've been to Cork. Oh, really? Yes, went there on vacation in 2008 and did a few days in Ireland and visited some friends in Dublin and uh, Cork, Dublin, um, and a couple other places. Galway, right now, maybe Galway, a, probably. Loved it. Oh, Galway, yes, absolutely. Galway, Galway yeah. was one of them, yeah. Cool, because that was one of the questions I was going to ask. We can ask it right now um, with your band Sunspot. So you and Wendy Lynn Stats, and you have another member of the band. I, I didn't quite catch that person's name. Yes, he's the guitar player is Ben Yeager, and um, he he doesn't do much stuff with the podcast, but he'll come in and lay some tracks down on the songs and stuff. Okay, that's definitely an advantage to have your own intro music and stuff. I had to pay for mine. But uh, right. <laughs> I was going to ask, in your... I guess 20 years playing, have you played in Ireland? 
Uh, not as a band. We haven't toured into Europe yet. We've okay. toured uh, North America extensively, but we haven't gotten uh, quite over yet. And uh, that's hopefully one day I want to play, want to rip up the aisles. <laughs> well, the fact that you've been to Cork, you know a bit about the, the landscape here, so we certainly can connect you with some uh, you know potential bars and uh, venues over yeah. here you know when 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 the cork folk hear hear this uh, you never know they might be on to you um right uh, excellent excellent no I had, a, I had a wonderful time in ireland actually i had a my wife and i had a paranormal experience in ireland oh uh, okay let's go straight into that i'm, I'm fascinated okay. go on tell me okay so real quick to everybody uh, so uh, See You on the Other Side podcast is, is the podcast I'm involved in. And what we do is we talk about a, a strange or an unusual topic. Yeah. Um, every week we interview somebody who has written a book on UFOs or we talk to somebody that uh, says they see ghosts kind of thing. And then we write a song inspired by the conversation. Brilliant. And and then we play live shows. We you know put, put the songs together and then we play a live show of the songs we've written for the podcast and uh, have, a, have a couple of drinks and have some fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, paranormal stuff is something I've always been interested in. Yeah. Uh, just because, uh, you know, I've never really had that many experiences. Like I, I'm not one of those guys that, that says like, oh yeah, I've seen dead people since I was six. Okay. Like I have no, no dead people don't talk to me. Uh, I really just like the history and the stories. Mm. Um, I like talk, I like talking about it and yeah. sharing folklore and, uh, scary stories and stuff. But, yeah. um, I'm not one to, to tell you that I know anything, you know, uh, but I've seen a couple of weird things and that I can't cut, quite explain. And one of them this hap- actually this, was... This happened in Ireland, ahead. so I'm, I'm going to preempt it by blaming alcohol. Was that was that anything to, to kind of... I've seen a lot of dead people the day after three days drinking, <laughs> uh, but I think that was more the death tremors. Uh, uh, but anyway, go on, I'll let you keep going. We did... We did uh, we did drink a bunch, but not this particular day. This particular, we went to go visit the uh, the Blarney Castle. Yeah, and the Blarney Stone and stuff. We waited in line, kissed the Blarney Stone. It was fun, which I've never done. Believe it or not, I live twenty minutes away, so that's typical Irish stuff. <laughs> but I uh, go, yeah. But we, but we go visit it, okay? And now it was kind of a, a overcast day, um, but it was nice, and it wasn't too busy or anything like that. That was one thing I was really surprised about Ireland. I tell you, I expected it to be. <laughs> Like a tourist trap kind of thing, you know, like everything's going to be mm, touristy, kind of like a Disney World and the, all these different kind of places. So it was 2008 or so you were here? Yes. So the the kind of a recession was kicking in, so that might have had something to do with the tourist uh, dive. But what time of the year? It was summertime. Right, so it was okay. like, uh, I, was, I say it was late July. Okay. And uh, I tell you that... Um, I don't know. I just thought it was really nice. It was nice that it wasn't a big tourist trap kind mm-hmm. of thing. I'm, I'm sure there were the places and stuff, but I, I think we must have managed to avoid them and just went to like a lot of nice towns. And um, But anyway, so we're at the Blarney Castle. Kiss the stone, have the fun. And then uh, we brought a lunch with us. We brought some bread and cheese and, uh, you know, we sat in the on the grounds and had our lunch. And then we took a little walk around the, the gardens, mm. okay, at the gardens. And, and there was not, not a lot of people around. And, um, so we're walking around and I see a, like a, like what I thought was a, a wolf or a, a wolfish looking dog in the distance, real dark, you know, oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's a, look at that dog, huh? Like, and my wife sees it too, except she, she sees a cat. 
Okay. At, okay. At the, you were looking at the same thing. Yes. Okay. And this has got to be 100 to 150 yards away. Right. We're looking at the same thing, and I see a dog, and she sees a cat. And then I'm like, okay, let me get a picture of this. And I have a like my camera phone or whatever. Yeah. And um, and so I yeah, take a picture of it, and it comes out as a a, a cat. Like, a, but it's like a it's like a shadow of a cat. So not a not a it's like not a like an actual cat, but it looks like the shadow of a cat. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, it's just a weird picture. But the but the funny thing was is that, um. Now, my, my wife was contemplating leaving her career that she had gone to school for at the right. time. She wasn't my wife yet. She was my girlfriend. But she was contemplating leaving her career. And she was mulling whether or not over to uh, accept a job offer at a local veterinary cat care clinic in town. Right. And the fact that we were, she was really intensely thinking about it at the time as we were walking along the grounds. Because I, I, I had like a corporate job at the time, too. So I was... We take this month long vacation and we're gonna decide on whether we're gonna come back and quit our job. <laughs> like this, this, is, this is what was uh, hanging over our heads the yeah, whole time. Yeah. And the fact that we see something a little bit weird, like a like a form of an animal. I see a, a dog, a, just a black dog where you couldn't make out any features. She sees a black cat where you couldn't make out any features. We both see different things. It's like we we saw something, but we saw what our minds wanted us to see. Nice. And uh, anyway, so to me, seeing two different things and looking at the same thing was just like weird. And she took it as like, and my wife's not into any of this paranormal okay. stuff whatsoever. Yeah. You know, she's just like, give me a break. You know, right, what's right. your what's your sign, man? <laughs> um, but, you know, we're looking at it. We, and so we see something different and she takes it as a sign mm-hmm. to quit her job. Okay. And then she comes back, quits her jobs and works for the cat care clinic for a year. And how did that work out? Uh, horribly, <laughs> horribly. In f- but it it gave her the time uh, to decide on what she wanted to do. Sure. So she ended up going to law sc- ended up going to law school and getting that taken care of. And then I ended up quitting my job as soon as I came home too. <laughs> wow! So, so you you we had this. You you, you witnessed the um, what's what's known in Ireland in, in Blarney as the um, the Blarney dog cat phenomenon. It, no, I'm joking. It's not a thing. <laughs> that's, I, that's right. Not that I'm that's aware right, of. That's a big anyway, Irish but. thing. That, the Blarney dog cat. It is no, now. but it, it was in, it was interesting though because um, what I thought of it was uh, as like it's our a tulpa, mm-hmm. a thought form. You know, we, our minds created something that we saw, or we saw what we wanted to see. Yeah, and the fact that we both saw something, and we both saw something different, and she saw something that she took as a sign, uh, uh, that ended up changing her life. I was like, huh, that's unusual. Now, do I? think it's some kind of crazy paranormal phenomenon or a, a message from the other side or something no we could have just been seeing different things it could have been a trick of the eye or something like that but mm. it was just one of those things where um that was weird so we got straight into into this area which is, is fascinating and you know when when we connected i i've been looking to to talk to somebody on the show that is into phenomenons paranormal ufos and and you know a few questions around that but I guess the question I wanted to start with was, where does where does this come from? Do you think where does that passion or, or interest or uh, you know curiosity around the paranormal originate from for you? Uh, for me, it's got to be uh, a sense of adventure. It's the fact is, um, it's it's an unknown kind of thing. Like there's 
there's just something to it that is so unknowable that there's this mystery that never stops. And that's what excites me, the feeling of exploring something that is unknowable um, or, or has been unknowable so far. It's even if we never get to the, the kernel of what the truth and stuff like that or what it actually it is or whether it's real or not, I think a lot of it is it's a frontier that we haven't crossed yet. Mm-hmm. It gives you a chance to look into something without having to go to space or the bottom of the ocean, it gives you a chance to explore something that, uh, first of all, some people are scared of or a lot of people won't talk about, and there's a little excitement involved in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other end is just, there's just so much mystery to it and so many personal experiences that people have that people will, like, I'll I'll tell you, and I'm not the kind of guy that believes people straight up. You know, they're just like, yeah, I saw a ghost. Oh, whoa. Um, and, and I know I just told you a weird story that was like, oh, yeah, I saw something different than my wife did. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm not the kind of person to just believe something like that straight up. So I'm a very skeptical person in a lot of these stories. But right. people that I respect and trust swear that they've seen these things. Mm. You know, people that are um, that are not usually, you know, you know, you have, we all have friends who like indulge in flights of fancy. Yeah. Or, you know, or, you know, people who'd be like, look, that, that person's crazy anyway. Mm. Um, but then you have the people that you trust and respect and they're like, you know what? I saw this and that's it. Mm. And it's, it's, it's the person who's completely rational and every other poem of their life. And, the, and then just like, yeah, no, I had, I had a haunt. I lived in a haunted house. Yeah. Absolutely lived in a haunted house. And you're like, what? You know? And so it's that kind of thing that uh, I think is really exciting. It's, I tell you what, um, Malcolm Gladwell, the author. Yep. Blinken. An author and New, yeah. New Yorker writer. Mm. Um, he talks about his own experience with ghosts. Mm. And this is the guy that's, you know, he writes um, very straightforward, very, like, he doesn't write about paranormal stuff, but he'll be like, yeah, I had experiences with ghosts when I was a kid. Mm. And, and you're like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I interviewed um, one of my early episodes, I interviewed a lady called Healthy Star, and she's she lives in L.A. She's from uh, from Paris originally. She's a clear audience. So you've heard of clairvoyance, and have you heard of clear audience as well? Clear audience means you can hear the future, right? You can see and hear. She can see and hear. So she's she said she's like a, okay. She calls herself a t a TV like a television because she can see and hear things from the other side, and uh, she does does readings and whatnot. You know, she we we had a really good episode, and she talked. She kind of did a reading of me at the very end. But she was saying, she was like very, very intelligent woman. And she was talking about the day George Michael died. You know, the, the singer George Michael? Yeah, he died on Christmas Eve or Christmas. Yeah. Or, uh, in that time, though. He visited her the next day. And she talked about the experience of him coming to, to see her and, and talk to her and stuff. And I was like, this is, you know, it's kind of crazy. But I, I'm not, I'm skeptical in a way as well. But I, I kind of want to believe it. And, you know, we're having this very genuine conversation with with healthy about about that and you know the challenges that this sort of uh ability brings because i remember mm-hmm. asking her right what's the biggest you know the biggest challenge of having these powers and she was saying one of the hardest things is actually meeting somebody because they're worried that i can see what they're going to do next and you know and having a relationship with somebody and, and those sort of things so you know if if there was kind of hocus pocus around it and wasn't true, you would think that they wouldn't, uh, you know, let that sort of power inter interfere with their actual life. But 
it, it, you know, I do. So when you talk to somebody like that, you have to believe. I know some people that would have listened to it thinking it's it's bonkers, but you know, everybody <laughs> well, has a different fact that view. George so. Mike, the, the fact that George Michael showed up, you know, that like, did she know him? Did she have some connection to him? Did she did she just own faith and be like, oh my god, I love this album? <laughs> no, the weird thing was, so she said for the first number of years when she was doing it, uh, and and realized that she had the powers that she could medium and and see other dead people but never celebrities and you know one of the questions i had asked so i was like when i think of what you're talking about i think of uh um, the movie ghost and patrick swayze jumping inside of um whoopi goldberg and she said yeah that's kind of what it's like and it takes a hell of a lot of energy out of you and it drains you and i was like okay so that was it but she said she had to have a number of it seemed like no rules around it but it seemed like you had to have a number of years experience before she kind of graduated to having celebrities come so it was only about okay. six months ago that that happened <laughs> but uh but anyway the reason i'm telling you that story is because my aunt who who are very close to um uh, i don't want to say too much here but she certainly believes in in all of this and she's told me numerous times sure. that she she has you know seen things or or, or whatnot like but uh so you know, I totally believe that, and you know, I, I that's you know that's why I'm fascinated about it as well. But it, is there a part? Is there a time when you were growing up, or is there kind of an earliest memory you have where this kind of interest or intrigue ever cropped up? You know, I'd say, well, funny enough, I was thinking about it this week for our latest podcast. Um, we did an episode on the horror director Toby Hooper. Okay. And I was a horror movie buff, still am. You know, I, I love to see horror movies, and I'm really into cinema. And that was my uh, major in college or whatever, was like cinema and film. Mm. And uh, so I'm always into this stuff. And so we're talking about Toby Hooper, and we're talking about the real-life inspirations beside behind some of the movies he directed. So he directed The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre, some of it's inspired by Ed Gein, who was a very famous Wisconsin... Uh, Psycho, I guess. The movie Psycho is also based on oh. <laughs> Ed Gein. And was it set in um, Wisconsin so, as well? It's not. No, because it's all uh, fictional. Okay, fish. Okay, right, yeah. But the um, but the character lived in a small town in Wisconsin. He and, or Ed Gein inspired these different. He inspired Psycho. He inspired uh, parts of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He inspired a lot of Silence of the Lambs. Right. And so we talk about the, the real life, you know, inspirations behind... Uh, his movies like uh, Poltergeist, uh, Life Force, mm. and and one of the thing one of the things he directed was a um, a dramatization of this haunted Toys R Us in California. <laughs> okay. Okay. And so, and that was one of my first memories was watching this TV show called That's Incredible. Right. And That's Incredible was like a a reality TV show where they would just show people doing interesting things, mm. kids doing dumb tricks. And they'd have ghost stories or a werewolf story or something. And they did like a seance from this Toys R Us in California. Right. And out of the seance, they got an infrared picture of like a figure standing in the hallway when there was nobody there. Mm. And I, I saw this when I was like four years old. Yeah. And so I remember seeing that and just being like, that's so awesome. Mm. Like it just was so interesting because it was the uh, and and the thing is like years later Toby Hooper the director would uh, he would direct a dramatization of that right. for a TV show 
Uh, and so that's that's what got me to thinking about it. But was that like that was the first like my first experience of seeing a ghost story that so enraptured me that whenever they had any ghost stuff on TV, I wanted to watch it. And more than just the fictional horror stuff, I wanted to see the real quote unquote, <laughs> you know, yeah. the the documentary. I wanted to see people's investigations. I wanted to see seances. I wanted to see people really try to contact the other side mm. instead of just making a fictional movie about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating stuff. I remember I just even kind of relating to it. I remember growing up, you mentioned the movie Poltergeist. Um, yeah, I remember that. And I was young watching that and just, the, the you know, the fuzz on the TV and her kind of inside of it. And I remember watching the second one or the third one. And there's one of them where there's this guy in a black hat that kind of walks up to the house. If you remember. Oh, yeah. That that guy is still in my mind. I just close my eyes and I can see him right now. He, he freaked the the shit out of me, and, and I don't know. Yeah, right. Because it's like crazy. His teeth. He had like his. Yeah. Even his teeth were scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way he smiled. Oh yeah, it was. He was so skinny as well. He was like he was like a skeleton with skin just on it. Um, because I, I think I saw that movie again recently and just watched it just to see if I was still freaked out by by him, and I certainly was, but. But show that movie, and I remember the Twilight Zone was something I was watching when I was growing up. That was, oh yeah, really interesting as well. Um, uh, you know those sort of things. So th- that's always been with you, I suppose, as you were growing up. When the music started coming into into play, and I didn't even read in our introduction, like you know, musician, you're a writer, um, you've you're an entrepreneur, I guess, as well, because you, you've you've set up, <laughs> um. The Madison Ghost Walks that I did a bit of reading about, you know, all of these things you've done over over your journey. Was there uh, how how did it all I suppose develop and did it did it kind of start happen organically or did you kind of have a, a plan when you were young what you might want to to be when you got older? Oh, when I was young, uh, I really had no. I just wanted to be in a band. Right. That was about, like I was like I wanted to play music. I like performing. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, it, it, I always, uh, I always liked singing and, you know, that kind of stuff. And then so I took up a uh, guitar in like junior high and still actually play together with the first band. I'm still in my first band. Right. You know, okay. I started playing uh, with our guitar player. We started playing together when we were in junior high, uh, went to college together and still, we just had rehearsal last night, wow. <laughs> you know? And so we've still been doing it for, uh, oh, I'd say 28 years kind mm. of thing. Still play together, write songs, record and things, and we just always wanted to play. And uh, it's like, well, it'd be great if we made it big and got to tour the world and be like Def Leppard or something like that. Yeah. Or, uh, but even if that doesn't happen, still gonna keep playing and creating because that's always something we love doing. Mm. And bringing this, I always wrote songs about, you know, weird stuff. Or I remember, um, you know, I remember being 13 years old and trying to set, you know, to set the words of Jabberwocky by Lewis Carroll to like a rock and roll song behind it, you know, or taking Edgar Allan Poe's uh, The Raven and, you know, setting music to it as our, like the first kind of songs we wrote. Hmm. Or no, I mean, I guess took some of these lyrics we were writing, but writing music for that kind of thing. So always been interested in, in writing uh, weird pop songs. You know, not just love songs or not just breakup songs or things, because other people do that really well. You know, Bono writes really great songs about changing the world, and that is awesome. Yeah. But somebody's got to write songs about werewolves, and that's where I come in. 
Uh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, you said for the 28 years you were in the band. Was it always called? When did you come up with the name Sunspot? Oh, that was about, um, we were, the original name of the band was Nevermore, actually. Nevermore? And Nevermore was the original name for the band. Yeah. But then uh, by the time we got out of high school, somebody um, had been, um, like some some metal band had gotten signed to a record label and so they were releasing it so we could have we could have kept the name Nevermore in Wisconsin but we'd never been able to use it anywhere outside of Wisconsin mm-hmm. um, so we uh, we had to find a new name and then we were thinking uh, it was a, it was a 90s when we were looking for a new name so you're looking for like like a lot of compound words were popular in names think about Soundgarden Pearl Jam yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that yeah. but but also um, Sunspot I mean sunspots are these weird magnetic things on the sun that interfere with radio waves right you know so like they have, yeah. there's that there's that meaning there that they mess up that they interfere with the signal they mess up the radio they you know they they screw up the they screw up the radio we're like that's cool yeah and also it's got uh astronomical you know we're always into science fiction and things like that and so it has yeah. an astronomical bent to it um so that's kind of kind of went with that but now most people think we're a reggae band we show up like, oh, the sunspots are here, man. I think they play Bob Marley songs. Like, no, that's okay. That's no, it's but, a, it's a... Uh, yeah. So, so we've had that name sunspot since about nineteen ninety-seven. Just looking at your career as well. So you was a journalist and, and a reporter for for a long time, writing and interviewing well, a lot of bands. Yes, and so that's actually something that, that's something I just did to make money on the side for a long time. So um, I was just interested in, like, I figured that if I could start talking to bands that were more famous or that had succeeded i could start kind of I, I could write an article but i could also learn a little bit like how they were doing things or you know what was their big moment or you know what led mm. them to their success and so started writing in college um and uh you know it, it'd be like iron maiden you know like right away it's like hey they're gonna have iron maiden for the college newspaper i'm like i'll do it i'll do it i love those guys yeah. you know things like that and uh and whoever came to town and then I ended up getting to do more and bigger bands and, and like, and like Dio and Aerosmith and Danzig and, and whoever kind of comes to town right. or Madison or have a new release, Rob Halford from Judas Priest. And, um, you'd have a, you know, you'd have a half an hour on the phone with them. Hmm. And that to me, that was like, okay, I get a half an hour on the phone with Rob Halford. I'm going to ask him about his album. I'm going to ask him about his inspiration. I'm going to ask him about how he, did what he's doing yeah you know how he got to be you know this bloke from birmingham or whatever is now the metal god yeah and you're just how how did that happen mm. you know i'm interested in, in mm. seeing how how people get there and uh that's one of the reasons i started writing and then make a little money on the side and get some extra press for my band uh, and also learn what journalists are looking for. So when I send them a press release, they're going to want to put it in their magazine or they're going to want to interview us and talk about our band, just like I'm talking about these. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Cause I guess what I'm in, in me interviewing people like you, I'm trying to identify certain traits or skills or habits that you have. That's made you successful at what you do. And I suppose when you were doing that with the, the bands being so into music, were you identifying certain values or, or kind of, ethics almost that you had to put together to say yeah if we actually do this and this we have a chance of making it what what kind of was that helping you form you know who you or what you wanted to be and how you wanted to approach things 
Yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely like talking to somebody or, you know, um, who's achieved, you know, who's sold a million records. You're like, okay, if you sold a million records, like how, how did you know you make it? And how did you, how did you know what was the, what was the thing? And half the time they're like, oh, I still feel like I haven't made it. Like, I still feel like I'm just catching up. And you're like, what? You're 50 years old and you sold 50 million albums. Like, I think you've done all right. And it's that, it's that a lot of times it's just the drive to keep on going, getting better. Mm. A lot of times it's learning that, uh, you know, somebody that's like, hey, I learned just to focus on the music and I found a manager who could handle the business okay. and help us grow. And so I focus on the music, they focus on the business. and But knowing when to even... Uh, give that up to delineate the responsibilities mm. or find someone to help. You know, I, that's one thing I see in a ton of musicians is that uh, they, they just want to work on music. A lot of the time, the fun part, mm. you know, I just want to write a song. I just, man, I just want to play, man. Well, yeah. yeah, of course you just want to play, but um, unless you are so phenomenally talented, like take Prince, for example, Mm-hmm. Now Prince is a guy that doesn't need a publicist because he could just walk in a room, play every single instrument, go ow, like do a couple of things, and everybody's gonna be blown away because he's just so like his talent was so singular and unique. Yeah, you know, but when uh, when Prince's um, teachers and stuff talk, they're like, no, he stayed in at recess and practiced. Mm. Like he said, you know, he's in high school, he's not going out uh, and talking to kids and at recess and things like that. He's not, he's taking his lunch times and he's working on the piano, he's working on the guitar, he's taking every second to practice. So he becomes this singular talent and ability that can blow everybody away. Mm. And see, a guy like that doesn't need a great manager because he's just, but, but everybody else, like, needs to have like you gotta have the business side you gotta to, to help you grow and your audience and stuff you need to have your creative side to create things that people want to listen to and sometimes people can do that together in themselves and other times they need to separate you know you need to find somebody who's good it's you know good at the business side well you can focus on the music side yeah no that's interesting as you were working up uh you know building out the band and another I suppose other skills that you were developing was there ever a role or a job that you had to kind of endure that you were like just doing this for the for the the love of of being able to do your your other stuff you're passionate about was there things like that you had to take on or challenges you had to face as you were growing oh, yeah oh yeah I'd, that's uh, i would say so my first job out of college was um actually i was i directed the morning news for a tv station mm. and i was actually looking forward to that job because was that something your, I studied? And it, that, so was that what you studied in college? Was it kind of um, communications and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, production and and so I was like, okay, this is going to be fun, and then I ended up hating it. Yeah. <laughs> it ended up being like, oh my god, I got to be here at four o'clock in the morning. It's not creative. Mm. It's just you know making sure the trains run on time by mm. making sure that the the cameras cameras in the right position that the tapes are all lined up. Um, you know, that we cut correctly, that we cut commercial at the right time, that just goes smoothly. And that just wasn't, and, and I know other TV directors, news directors who can be creative and stuff. I was not given that latitude. Right. Um, and so I was like, wow, this is definitely, but it, it was in the vein of something I wanted to do. Yeah. So that didn't, it didn't feel like I was enduring it. I felt like I was testing it and then decided like, you know what, this isn't for me. My next job was endurance, <laughs> and that was in uh, software. 
Okay. So I was a software tester for a, a like this a big firm here that handles medical records, and paid great. They treated the empo- employees really well. Mm. Um, everybody was really nice. It was a cool place to work. I mean, they had like clubhouses and tree houses where you can go have a, in a hammock and have a nap. Wow, that's kind of ahead of its you know, time, it was, isn't it? <laughs> right. It was free juice and popcorn wow. and all these kind of things and great benefits and. And I hated it. I was like, that felt like endurance. That was just because Because I was sitting at a desk all day, every day, and grinding stuff out? Well, and because it required a lot of my uh, thought and time and energy in a way that, um, number one, I didn't feel like I was awesome at it. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I was good at it, but I wasn't awesome at it. So I felt like I wasn't, my potential wasn't there, number one. Yeah. And um, number two... It just um, is like, yeah, I can do this and make money, um, but it's not, I'm never going to make a mark at it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. never going to be exceptional at this particular job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I couldn't handle that. It's, you know, you come in and you just, and you don't feel like you're given a hundred percent. And it, that for me too, that was something I didn't enjoy yeah. was coming in and not feeling like I'm giving my full effort. Yeah. Like I know that's like, well, if the job's easy enough or whatever, you're making good money, you shouldn't complain. You're right. I shouldn't complain. Yeah. But if but if you if you don't feel like you're committed to something and giving it your full effort, like you feel like your your life is wasting away. I mean, that's I, that sounds drastic mm-hmm. because there's people who live in, you know, hovels and I know aren't getting food. So this is very first world problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. But but it it makes so, so much so much sense that and and it's I guess it's showing that you're the fact that you're even thinking about that and saying, look, I'm, I could come in and pick this check up every week, but I'm not loving it and I'm not really as good as I can be or as somebody else could be doing it, you know, is a, is a very kind of noble type thing, I, I guess. And at the time where you were very aware of those things, I think I, I talk to people a lot of the time and they can spend five, six, seven, ten years doing the same thing. And, you know, that whole st- saying of you'll regret the things you don't do more than the things you do do looking back like were you quick to make a, a decision this isn't for me i need to to get out of here oh no it, it took me it took me four years to make the decision okay. and then one year to extract myself out. <laughs> yeah I know. so i give myself enough you know enough safety net enough savings and things like that where it's like okay when we get back from ireland right uh i'm leaving you know and then I'm moving on and trying something, trying something new and then just going into business for myself or taking a, a position somewhere where I believe in it, where, it's, where it might be more risky mm. or it's more in line with uh, the things that I want to do. And so you had, uh, you just, I just went for it. I was like, okay, I left myself some safety net, but eventually that safety net ran out. You know, like you, you keep going and then you do it so i uh to me it was a very conscious decision to be like how can i leave in the way that leaves me with the most chance of success mm-hmm. yeah very planful by the sounds of it when you're talking about saying yeah i picked up on the part where yeah you know you want to work so work at something you believe in that has more meaning for you did you kind of work on what that was for yourself like have did you identify what your own purpose was or your mission statement and i know that's corporate language but i think it's a good exercise no, no, for, I get for a person to do to say you know this is who i am this is kind of the areas i want to work in you know i don't want to work for some 
fast food company or for some you know cigarette company because it's against my value set did you crystallize what those were or did you have just a loose sense of what it was about no, I journal. I mean, I, I journaled. I read Tony Robbins books. Like yeah. I did everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. The, the the self help stuff, and I, and I think it was great. Yeah. And it didn't necessarily like. I, I think I knew. I mean, I even took a seminar and stuff like that. That was like I think a landmark seminar. Did you, my, you, one of my friends was really into. You didn't go to Tony for five days and power up. No, no I. No, yeah. I, I, I would have loved to do that sometime. I like the rah 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 stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. mind if it's cheesy or things like that. I enjoy. Um, you know, feeling pumped up and mm. feeling excited. And, and that's, I mean, people, you get that out of a rock concert. Some people get that out of church. Some mm-hmm. people get that out of a, a big Packers football game, you know? Yeah. And, but I will, I will take that kind of energy and electricity any place that I can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think all of those things um, help me realize n- number one, uh, that well, look for people who are already doing what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And learn what you can from them. Yeah. And then also uh, f- find out what you're uniquely good at. Mm. I think was the big what the big thing for me was find out something that I can do that I don't know anybody else who can do it as well as I can or as well as I eventually will be able to do it. Mm. You know? And so um, combining those interests of eventually getting into uh, the paranormal and entertainment and, and adding that aspect into instead of just being, okay, we're going to play these rock songs. Now we're going to play rock songs with a particular bent. We're going to play rock songs that are inspired by these conversations and um, that are going to be fun in a different, you know, in a different way uh, than I've seen other bands do before. And we're going to create a podcast that integrates more of the music and pop culture aspect into the paranormal part so that when you when you're walking on shaky ground when you're talking about ghosts and ufos and all that kind of stuff because you're talking about you're basically arguing about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin (laughs) yeah uh you know like the theology arguments yeah um if when you can connect it to a movie that everybody's seen when you can connect it to a a book that maybe a lot of people know or as some fiction part fictional parts of it if you you connect those two things um you can you can have a more uh in-depth conversation without stretching on too many tangents or or things that are unbelievable you're bringing it back to something that everybody can relate to Mm -hmm. and um and so we tried to create that in a podcast uh that something we hadn't seen from other ones and so we knew that it was fun to talk about. Um, we'd been working on podcasts for years as far as like our, our tour diaries, right. like videos and, yeah. and audio. And so we're like, but now let's have something where we interview people, we talk to people, and then write songs based on that. And we didn't know anybody else who was doing that. And I didn't see any, anywhere else that was doing this. It's like we can combine the pop culture and paranormal stuff and then bring in uh, a song. And then that leads to a live show based on the podcast. Hmm. Where you can have a traditional rock show, but it's just all songs that were inspired by these weird topics. Yeah, wow! Like it's it it is unique, obviously. Um, as you were working through that, how did you, I suppose, develop that idea? Or I, I guess it didn't all come together at once. It probably started with one piece, and other parts kind of layered on, or or, or did it? I'd love to know how. Well, well right. Well, one of the things that happened, because I, I was always interested in this stuff, and so and also whenever we played at a at a club or an old venue or something like that, we'd always ask, like, mm. hey, 
are there any ghost stories here? Like that was something, you know, um, something we've been talking about for years. And uh, in the like 2008, my sister had written a uh, a haunted walking tour of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right. And that's where we're where we're from originally. And uh, she'd done that, and she did it to make a little extra money on the side, and to, to and also to learn more ghost stories about Milwaukee. Mm. And I'm like, hey, that's a cool idea. And she said to me, she's like, hey, you should do this in Madison. It's a great way to earn a little extra money. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And uh, she helped me out, and then we she did help me out with some research, and I uh, used her as an inspiration, and then created one in Madison, and then from there uh, moved on to where now we have one in. Madison, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, a couple of smaller towns in Wisconsin. We're just launching a, a new University of Wisconsin tour this weekend. Cool. Um, and so that's become a really, like, so that I was starting to get into the world of haunted history yeah. by being a business owner in the world of haunted history, so like, a, and, and having our business. And then I was kind of like, well, what's another, what's a good way I can bring the, I can bring everything together. Yeah. You know, so when I'm promoting one thing, I'm promoting everything. Mm. Makes sense, Dan. And because... that was, I'm, and our drummer Wendy. Wendy was like, Wendy was like, well, we should start working on another podcast. Um, she wanted to work on something, and then we we had we had, had like lists of ideas and lists of titles and lists of thoughts, and then we eventually came to the idea of paranormal paranormal stuff. Mm. Um, and then because it it's when you're talking to somebody about something that they have like a crazy UFO experience like that leads itself easily to a song. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, like the inspiration like comes quick when somebody talks about <laughs> being lifted up to the sky or, Oh yeah. Jesus talks to me. Really? Okay. I've interviewed uh, like three people now who Jesus has spoken to. And um, he's, what he says he say? basically the same thing to all of them. Oh, really? You know, he's basically, yeah. What language does he speak? Kind of, English? <laughs> Is well, he's English, speaking Jesus? English to them, and I'm, I figure, you know, I figure like uh, they're not going to know Aramaic or whatever, yeah, or Hebrew. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just funny uh, that you're like, okay, well, uh, sometimes the the more out there topics, the 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 songs write themselves. I imagine, and yeah. in the end, like, not only do you have a you have a show based around it, but you have a song that now you can repeat and try and, and we we do demos of these songs every week we put them in the podcast and then every few months we go into a big recording studio take the most popular songs and put them together and then release it so that's the the official release will be the most popular songs from the podcast and that when we put them together as an album we called it weirdest hits yeah <laughs> and then, you know it's like well we'll never have a greatest hits but we certainly can have a weirdest hits yeah isn't it isn't it brilliant though the way these things can happen and start kind of taking on natural it seems like there was you know when when you pieced one piece together another thing kind of opens up and another one opens up and then you come up with a great name like you know weirdest hits which you probably didn't think was going to be so apt you know way back down right. the road so i find that kind of uh, for me and this is me kind of probably looking into the whole if it's intuition or are you following the path you're meant to be on or certain things happening for a reason and it seems to be falling into the right place the way those sort of things start developing do you, do you get a sense that you're you're going in in a in the right path and it you're you're you know you're meant going in the direction you're meant to be with all of this well yeah i really have that i've had that for a, at least a, a few years now where um 
you know, and I do, and I do different kind of things too. Like I'll, I'll, you know, not just paranormal and music and stuff. I also work in music licensing and I help independent bands get their songs and film and TV. And I still do the music journalism yeah. and, um, you know, other things cause it's fun and make extra money. And I, uh, I'm, I'm one of those people that enjoys working, you know, like if I'm not, if I'm not having fun or like taking care of my daughter or hanging out with my wife, we're going to be, uh, I, I'm going to be working. <laughs> so I'm one of those guys that likes it. And, but the other thing is, I think when you're talking about finding the right path, I think a lot of people, if they just follow, when you see a little bit of success somewhere, you're like, hey, you know, I've tried a whole bunch of different things. Here's what seems to be hitting. You know, here's what seems to be. Let's let's go down that path a little bit. Just don't, you know, just keep going until you see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then you go down and you see a little more stuff happen and a little more stuff happen. And I think a lot of people either uh, don't try enough or they quit um, too quickly. Mm. You know, where if something, you know, you can see if something hits a little bit or you get a better reaction to it, let's keep testing it. You know, if you tried 10 different things and one of those things works better than the others, Mm. experiment, play with it, try to sell it, see what happens. Um, And then I think you find that the more you follow those directions of things that are doing well for you, um, the more other good stuff starts happening to you like a snowball. Mm-hmm. Like you just start attracting. I mean, it's, and I don't even think it's mystical or anything like that. I think it's just the basis of, we find the things that, uh, we're getting, we're good at, or, or we're getting better at. And then you keep going down that road. And as you get better at it, other people start coming in and start getting interested and want to be part of it. And I tell you what, when you, when you feel like you're good at something or unique, or you can do something that, um, that you want to see that mm. nobody else is making for you, um, and you're making that stuff and you're excited about it, I, that's when you start feeling, and it doesn't have to be music, it doesn't have to be podcasts, it can be widgets, it can be the people that are awesome at testing software, it can yeah. be the people that are awesome at making TV news. Um, but uh, when, when you're on that path, um, I do think that you start to feel like I'm meant to do this. Like mm. that's, you know, that, that's when you get that feeling of now I am, I found my destiny. Yeah. Um, but I think you can, I don't think that your destiny finds you. I think you tweak and tweak and tweak until you stumble upon it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I think it's a good way of, of explaining it. And I think I always talk about intuition a lot on, on the podcast and I'm fascinated about how people pay attention to or, or ignore their intuition um and, and and you know how they actually make decisions around it i'm probably answering the question for you but i would imagine intuition is something you follow and you are aware of and, and kind of keep keep uh trust in you know meditation yeah is perfect for if you talk about uh like developing intuition or just developing the sense of um, am I listening to myself enough? Mm. Am I listening to my gut or my subconscious or my guardian angel or whatever you think is ta- or the universe, whatever you think is talking to you? Um, it Something is talking to you, whether it's your, your subconscious or your head or whatever. Take 15 minutes every day yeah. and listen. Mm-hmm. And be, you know, sit there somewhere quiet or have an ocean waves as white noise behind you. And, um, and, I, and I do think that that, de- that sense develops. 
uh, over time. And I know some people that hate meditation or they can't sit, you know, they can't sit quietly or something. Well, find a way to write your, you know, to mm-hmm. write it out, sit there with a journal and, and just write it out until something hits you in the face. Mm. And I, and I know a lot of it can be navel gazing. That's why you don't, uh, do it. You know, that's why you don't do it for 24 hours a day. Yeah. But if you take 15 minutes a day and just listen to yourself or mm. just sit there quiet and focus on your breathing, or, you know, yeah. um, there's a clarity that comes at the end of it where you feel like you know either what you're doing is right inside, whatever that means to you, or whatever you're doing is not contributing something something positive to your life. And if it's not contributing something positive to your life, it may be time to listen to yourself and do something else. Yeah. Yeah. I've got into it about two and a half years ago and do pretty much every day, but it, you know, not uh, sitting in the lotus position every day for 15 minutes. It's it's at any opportunity that I can take to be mindful from it when I'm walking from my office to, to, the, to the bathroom, you know, try and take a couple of seconds just to yeah. feel your feet on the ground and notice that you have toes and, and notice that you have actually been breathing for the last, you know, 12 hours or so. Do you have any have you tried different techniques and methods or is there any one go-to or is it a mishmash of everything for you? I, you know, some day, some days it's sitting in a lotus position. Okay. Some days it's on a run. Mm. You know, you're, you're, you know, you go out for a run and it's a beautiful day mm. and you're sitting there and you're on a trail. So you don't have to worry about cars, and, but you can, you can think about each foot yeah. in front of the other yeah. and you can just concentrate like, Hey man, it's one foot in front of the other. Cause it, it's all basically just one foot in in front of the other until until we're we fall over yeah, yeah, yeah um but uh you know so some days it's that some days it's walking and just appreciating the fact that there's a blue sky and there's beautiful leaves and i'm by a lake and it's great some days it's laying in bed and just closing my eyes and that's all i can do that day is uh or you know at that moment is just think about what are my two things i got to do today and really, what do I really have to do today? What's the most important thing? The most important thing is that I'm nice to my wife <laughs> and that I'm there for my kid. What's the second most important thing? Okay, find food. The third most important thing, find some money. You know, like those are, we go in that, you break it down to the very basic thing. So some days it's, um, you know, doing a guided meditation and the others is like, how am I going to live until I get to the end of the, how am I going to make it to the end of this day? It's going to be a hard day. How am I going to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's good stuff. I want to just touch on a few, uh, maybe, I guess, questions around the podcast. And one of my fans is also a friend of mine. He sent me in a question that he wants to ask as well, uh, uh, just around a, um, conspiracy theories type stuff. And just see if you have an opinion or you might have heard stuff about it. Um, out of all your shows, you know, which one is there one that stands out from a podcast that, that uh, you liked the most, be it paranormal, UFOs or anything jump out? Um, well, yeah, I say that uh, the stuff that I thought was really interesting is that we had a haunted historian on uh, just a few weeks ago. I think episode 151, his name is Jeff Belanger, and uh, he consults for a show called Ghost Adventures here. Okay. And um, he just, he's a New England haunted historian and he could just, he just goes in and tells you, he's just the podcast right away. We're like, okay, what made you into this? What are you interested? And he just starts, starts telling ghost stories. Mm. And so it's like, he does all the work for us and I enjoy that. <laughs> They're the ones you want. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh, we also had an interview um, with a guy that wrote a book on the, um, 
the person who was in charge of Project Blue Book, uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Um, and so he's a, he's an author. He's a former Star Trek writer. Um, and he, he wrote this book on J. Allen Hynek called The Close Encounters Man. And he's just, his excitement about Dr. Hynek and the scientific study of UFOs, I thought was just a, it's really good to get into and have that, you know, have that conversation with him. Mm. And so I think the, the people who are just getting into or might be interested in our podcast, episodes 150 and 151 are really good introductions. Uh, if you like ghosts or vampires stories, or if you like UFOs, um, they're, they're like 101. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not it's not too in depth. There's nothing too out there. It's just a couple of interesting people that know how to tell stories. Cool. And I definitely include lots of stuff in the show notes about, about your, your podcast. And I, I'll definitely start listening to more of them myself as well, because I'm very interested in this whole area. So, and then sometimes it's, sometimes we get lucky and then we get on the, on the, um, on the cutting edge of things. Yeah. So in the Chicago area, they've been seeing these winged humanoids. Okay. Okay. Right. They call it the Chicago. They call it the Chicago Mothman. And so people have been seeing these flying figures around Chicago, and it's like forty sightings this summer. Wow, around the city, you know? even or out in the countryside, or yeah, around 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 the city. Like people see like a Best Buy parking lot. Right, right, right. And so uh, we just did an episode where we bring on. Uh, one of the guys who's been Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters, he's been documenting the sightings. And then we bring on the investigator who's been going to each location. And then my sister comes on and she's been going and making little video documentaries. She's been driving down to Chicago because Milwaukee, where she lives, is only about an hour and a half, hour, 15 minutes from Chicago. Um, and so she drives down there and she's been going to each of the sites and making videos. And then we have a blogger who's been like putting together and, um, he's been trying to connect the sightings to a theme. And it's funny that, uh, you know, so like our podcast brought everybody together to have this conversation. And it's like, we had the latest news on the Chicago Mothman. Yeah. So that that to me is exciting because it's like okay no other show had everybody together who'd been to all the sites who'd done this from the guy who's documenting it to the people who are talking to the uh the experiencers of the investigators they're either just having one or the other and like we brought everybody together for what i think is a definitive episode on on the quote-unquote chicago mothman (laughs) and in your episodes like do you have like mo- so far all of my episodes have been pretty much either in person or, or over skype but it's kind of one-to-one have you you kind of have four or five people talking and kind of having a discussion around it yeah it depends on the episode mm. but we do mostly everything over skype if we can do in person we will yeah but since uh most of the time we're talking to people sometimes sometimes in you know over your neck of the woods yeah sometimes you know uh across the country a lot of times on people in california new york new england sure. you know uh, we're just not in, Wisconsin's a weird place, but we're not weird central quite yet. Yeah. So we have to do most of it. Most of it's over Skype. Is there is there like a paranormal kind of nucleus in in Wisconsin? Is there some sort of because everything you mentioned about the stories that uh, you know Psycho and the Poltergeist and, and and others, but is there a history of paranormal from centuries ago in the area? Well, I mean, there are certain, I mean, there's native legends, but there's native legends everywhere. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, Wisconsin is like vacation country, 
Okay, so so the area, I mean, Madison is a home of the university and home of the capital, Wisconsin. So it's a lot of lawyers and a lot of professors and stuff. But Wisconsin in general is, it's kind of like Maine in that way. Mm. You know, people people go, Boston, they go on vacation in Maine. You know, New England, they go on vacation in Maine. Everybody from Chicago, they go on vacation in Wisconsin. So we're like this, um, we're like the weird cousin. Okay. You know, we're like your weird cousin that grew up in the country. <laughs> And, um, and because it's, a lot of it's rural, I mean, obviously Milwaukee and Madison are larger towns. Milwaukee's a million people. Madison's, you know, quarter million. Right. It's still not, I mean, it's still not a big, it's not Chicago. It's not even Minneapolis and St. Paul. Right. Um, it's because it's kind of on the edge. You just have more unusual stories. And I think people are willing to, people are willing to share those stories more here because maybe they're just not as afraid or there's more people listening like uh, Linda Godfrey who wrote the beast of Bray road and all about all of these walking, you know, walking dog men and stuff like that. She's based out of Wisconsin. And uh, the guy that kept HP Lovecraft, the author HP Lovecraft, um, he, you know, HP Lovecraft kind of died poor. He never was able to make a living off of his writing, you know, and he, but he had this collection of pen pals, um, and one of his pen pals was based in Sauk City, Wisconsin, and he's the guy that started the uh, the publishing house Arkham Publishing that kept H.P. Lovecraft's work alive over the decades, right. and he, that ended up making you know an H.P. Lovecraft now like everybody knows his name and movies are made and he's such a big influence. But without that guy, uh, who, his weird pen pal and buddy in Wisconsin mm. that kept the that kept the dream alive, like that wouldn't have been there. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's the kind of people on the edge who are willing to take risks and willing to you know willing to share their weirdness uh, is part of what makes Wisconsin unique. I don't think we necessarily have more stories, but we're certainly willing to talk about them. Well, that's good, and you've you've got a good platform in in the the beauty of podcasting to to get it out amongst the the, the world. Um, so the question that had been sent in, and you you, you know just from talking to you, uh, I don't know if you'll have the answer, but you might have might have been discussed on one of your podcasts it was around sure. it was around the cold war so the question was was uh, was was the cold war a cover up between the USA and Russia that they they used to kind of hide money that was being placed towards research in into technology after the Roswell crash or area 51 so the, his his point was Shortly after the Roswell crash, there started to be a explosion, maybe in technology inventions and advances like night vision, ah. silicon chips, and stuff like that. Whereas there was nothing around that before. So, this uh, in particular listener uh, just wanted to see: is is that anything no, that ever I, was talked about? Or I know exactly what kind of question he's talking about. Right. Um, okay. So the idea is: is that why did technology advance so fast mm. between? You know the late 1940s and today. Uh -huh. I mean, think about think about the fact that we all carry around in our pocket every single day the entirety of the sum of human knowledge. Yeah, and we can talk to our phone and and have it look it up for us. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's really it's awesome. Yeah, bonkers. Yeah, I mean, uh, but <laughs> besides the whole smartphone addiction and social media, yeah. people can't stop checking their Facebook. Okay, but the thing is, those things are awesome. I'm talking to you. You are, you know, you are 2,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. More. And we are yeah. talking a face-to-face a, a -face 
conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, it blows my mind. It's really awesome. Okay, so why did all that stuff develop so quickly in like 60, 50, 60 years when we had millennia of horse and buggy? Mm, mm. Um, could it be that the Cold War, the, the fact that we said that we were spending money uh, to develop technology to beat the Soviets. Well, we really were trying to cover up the fact that we were reverse engineering technology to crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. To, to tell you the truth, what I think, and this is actually uh, from a guest we had, his name is Robbie Graham, and he wrote a book called Silver Screen Saucers, and he just released a really excellent book uh, with a collection of different UFO, ufologists, ufologists, or UFO researchers, um, and called Re UFOs reframing the debate. And so so Robbie was talking about how um the CIA and Hollywood have always been kind of, you know, arm in arm. Mm. There's there's always uh like government or de department of defense um people who read scripts that come out because these to save money filmmakers they want to use uh tanks from the u.s government they want you know they want to use stuff that's already in there and so there's always there's this pre-existing relationship between hollywood and uh and and uh the cia and the department of defense so well what could make the russians more scared of us or our enemies in general more scared of us than the idea that we have alien technology <laughs> and that we are we are reverse engineering alien technology into our weapons into our surveillance um we're you, you know into our spy planes that can fly silently or they can teleport or whatever i think about the idea of that uh bob lazar so in the late 1980s, we had a guy named Bob Lazar. He works at Area 51 in Nevada, Groom Lake Air Force Base in Nevada. And he comes out and says, they showed me the aliens. They showed me the reverse engineering of technology. Now think about the late 1980s. This is before the wall fell. Right. This is before the Soviet Union collapsed. Mm -hmm. This is when we have a huge spending buildup in our military. Um. You know, and and so this guy's like they show me the aliens. He keep he goes to the Las Vegas news station, which is the nearest news station to Groom Lake, and he's like, I've seen them; they're real. And goes into the different kinds of aliens, and goes into we've been reverse engineering this technology since Roswell. Blah blah blah. Right. Um, okay. Now, first of all, we've never seen the proof. Number one, and number two. Well, we all like. What's scarier to the Russians than that? They're like, okay, we're gonna spend more money. We gotta keep up with the U.S. We got, oh God, they've got aliens. Like, you can't, you can't, can't beat that. You can't keep up with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how much money you spend, you're never gonna keep up with alien technology. So whether it's true or not, it's certainly an awesome disinformation campaign yeah. to strike fear in the heart of. Uh, to strike fear in the heart of them. What I really think of why we had that big technology explosion, first of all, it'd be, it'd be cool if we really did reverse engineer alien technology, but yeah. I doubt it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even, if, even if that plane crashed, I don't know if we could figure it out. Or even if that spaceship crashed, I don't know if we could figure it out. But what I really think it was, was there was such a massive influx of, of money into science, of scientists uh, having to work at the top of their game in the Second World War, mm. that... Um, I mean, they just came out um, with 
we, we developed a whole bunch of new ways of manufacturing, of production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the U.S. developed into this market that was huge because we had uh, the, you know, the GI Bill and all these soldiers coming back and a gigantic middle class in America that could spend money on things. Well, uh, because we, had a, we were prosperous, we could start spending money on stuff and we could, more taxes could go towards defense. And also... The Second World War, we just started developing these completely efficient systems mm. of designing things and of communication of scientists working together. Think about it. You had a telephone. You could call somebody up. Yeah. You could, you know, you didn't have to send something by a carrier pigeon a hundred miles away to a scientist. You could call that scientist up. Yeah. You could get there on a freeway system and go down there and meet them and work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a perfect storm of things. Yeah. Do I, I would love to think that was reverse engineering, mm. but I just don't. Yeah. And, and I think... I think it's a good question. It's a good answer. It, it's, you know, the reverse engineering propaganda is is always good. But uh, I guess what, when you're talking through it, there, you can't necessarily have a homing pigeon and then the next day have um, a drone. There's you know a million things that need to happen in between to get to the drone. So in the same way as you have a your first phone connection, you know, you need to have the infrastructure in place before it can start developing to become a wireless phone and a mobile phone. And, you know, so there's sequential amount of things that need to happen. So, uh, before, and the pro yeah. and the profit motive to make new things. I mean, think about like we have phones now, like you buy a phone every new two years or something like that. Right. Yeah. So for Apple to make you want to spend 600 bucks on a new phone, they got to they got to add stuff to it. They got to add new technology to it. So that there's a profit motive in advancing technology as quickly as possible so you can sell it. Apart from um making the glass unbreakable, that they definitely haven't figured that one out yet. So <laughs> well they don't want to figure that one out. <laughs> exactly. They'll they'll stop making serious money. I think everybody I've seen in the last two weeks have a broken screen uh which is kind of uh, funny, but whoever cracks or cracks is probably a bad word or whoever unlocks the uncracking of glass there will will do well um oh they'll be a rich man or rich woman exactly mike it was so good to talk to you i guess last question i kind of like to just wrap up on um before i let you kind of give a bit of a plug out to your you know your your band and your show a little bit more success is something that i think uh is a fascinating concept and everybody has a different view of of success what what would you consider success looks like for you and and are you meeting that ah that's a good question um success looks like for me that uh excited to wake up every day mm-hmm. because you're doing something you want to and um i'm definitely meeting that criteria now, if success means that you're excited to do what you want to do and you have complete control over your schedule, as in you're never running against deadlines or, you know, panicking about doing stuff at the last minute or, you know, if success means having everything be totally calm and extremely well planned out, mm. I'm definitely not meeting that criteria. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but to me, it does mean uh, that you get excited. You're, you're excited about life. You're not just waiting to retire. In fact, the idea of retiring is scary because you don't want to get to a point where you don't want to do stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, so it, mean, it means to me that I, uh, I get up and I can't wait to get at it. Yeah. And so I, I do feel that. Cool. And I, I, from the hour we've talked, I don't get a sense that uh, 
the um, retirement piece is something that's ever going to probably be in your radar. You're, you're a busy guy. You like variety. I love variety. And the more things yeah. that are coming at you, the more time you find to get stuff done. And I think that's going to be a fire that burns, you know, can probably continuously in you. So that's, that's a, a, I think, a great thing to have. Oh, so, Rob. Perfect. So, Mike, just to wrap up, how can people get in touch with you? You're very active on Twitter. You have a shitload of followers, which is which is great. Um, uh, sure. Talk about Twitter, social, your yeah, site. You can find me Twitter, Sunspot Mike is my social, and that's, uh, that's probably the, the best place to contact me because I always check the notifications and I check the messages. Um, if you're looking interested in hearing any of the music of Sunspot, my band, uh, best place to go is sunspotuniverse.com, and then you get a song you can download right away and you can check it out. And then our podcast, See You on the Other Side. Uh, all the episodes, everything is at OthersidePodcast.com. So OthersidePodcast.com or SunspotUniverse.com. Uh, you can find some of our interesting creations. Excellent. And as I said, I'll have all of that in the uh, in the notes and links to, to all of it once I, once I put it up. Um, really enjoyed that, Mike. Uh, I definitely had another bunch of stuff that I'd get to maybe at another point uh, down the road when we get back together at some stage maybe. Um, but for now, uh, I'm going to say good night or good good afternoon for you. Good night for me. And uh, I'm, I'm about to go make dinner. Go, cool. Have a great uh, rest of the day, Mike, and thanks again. Okay, just before you go, so number one, the newsletter. I'd love if you signed up. I have over a thousand sign-ups. You'll get a note just before an episode's released every week. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. It's on the site. Click on the homepage and you can sign up from there. Number two, the podcast is growing. Listeners are going up and up. And I'd like to continue to do so. So, would you be interested in supporting what I do? No obligations, but I've set up a Patreon page, which uh, is something a lot of podcasters are doing and other artists, I say loosely, and you can support it by donating for per an episode or, or just in general. That would help me improve marketing, improve everything I guess I'm doing and try and maybe even get to the point where I can get a guest or two on and pay them for their time so that would be great if you think there's some value in listening to the show maybe you'd like to instead of buying that seventh cup of coffee during the week you could donate the two or three euros to the show totally up to yourself if you've got richer by the one percent better podcast maybe you could donate and help it grow and how do you do so you just go to the support page on the website click on support you'll see the patreon image click there and it's pretty straightforward after that okay that's that what is your story what are you getting from the show if anything send me a note email me about that i would love to read out your story be it anonymous or whatever if you want your name read out and uh, that'll hopefully help others get something from it as well so that's really the the value the show is bringing you can get in touch through email it's at rob at rob of the green twitter facebook instagram at rob of the green i'm on linkedin under my own rob o'donoghue name persistence is key with this in the last few weeks i have increased numbers and that's just through marketing through pushing things a little bit more i'm going to keep doing that and get it out there more people are hearing it i'm gone over two minutes i know that if you have any ideas for guests that you'd like me to interview i'm all ears get in touch and finally thank you so much for listening 
and telling people about it and liking it and sharing it it's so nice to get a an email from somebody i don't know and they tell me that they've got something from the show makes it all worthwhile i'm going to keep doing it i'm enjoying it and i'm going to say good luck thank you bye